the arranged uh, big nephew, Few, we called him, and Joseph, we wanted to see him wrestle, you know, and there was some big money put on the wrestling match between Joseph and Few. I don't and, and Joseph slammed that Few on the, on the turf in the equipment room, and then everybody just took off and was like, oh, man, he's hurt. But <laughs> I can remember Joseph coming in and then, then you bringing – All right, y'all, I'm bringing y'all today a special guest. Some of you Louisiana people might might recognize his face here. Uh, self-proclaimed best center to ever come out of the state of Louisiana. Spent some time down in Tulane. He's an author, uh, author of a book, Fourth in New Orleans. He was down in Tulane after Hurricane Katrina. And I'm going I'm to go out on a limb and say my life would not be the same if our paths wouldn't have crossed, we were together in Atlanta. His only job, he got hired to Atlanta. He was a tight ends coach. And when he got the job, Mike Smith called him. He said, Selfo, your only job is to make sure Tony Gonzalez gets on the bus on time. And, and that was the only thing he had to do. He had one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. He just had to make sure he got on the bus on time. And I don't know, Selfo, if you, if you always got Tony on the bus or on the plane on time. Well, I, I did, except one time. One time. What we happened? Were playing, we were playing the New York Jets uh-huh. in Meadowland, <laughs> and the buses pulled out, and Tony wasn't on it. God so we, damn. We had breakfast together. He said he had to run up to his room for a minute. Well, the buses start pulling out real slow, and all of a sudden he calls me. He says, I see the buses pulling out. I still have two <laughs> minutes. Well, I said, the buses are gone. So, of course, he said some choice words to me like I was going to get the bus to stop. Well, you you should have. That was your only job. Well, we get to the stadium, and your group, you and uh, Claybo and all you guys are on me about you got one job, that's to get Tony (laughs) to the bus. This is all in the locker room for the game. So I went to Smitty. I said, Smitty, I said, Tony didn't get on the bus. He goes, it's all right. As long as he gets here an hour and a half before the game, he'll be fine. Well, I called Tony. I said, hey, are you on your way? He goes, yeah, I'm in an Uber. No worries. I'll be there. So okay. So I didn't say nothing to none of you guys because y'all were just on me relentless, <laughs> right? I'm being relentless. So we get, Tony gets there. Everybody's all, hey, Selfo, you, you you didn't do your job. Y'all all trying to get me fired. Well, I said, okay. We go out there, and it's like 10. I think it's 10-6. They're up. Uh-huh. And cold. They got snow piled up on the side and all. I remember it. <laughs> and, and we call uh, motion with stick route. And Tony catches the stick with about 10 seconds to go in the game. And we win the game. <laughs> so, so, so you were all right. Your job was saved. Huh? <laughs> so I walk in the locker room. I go straight to the old line. And I say, guys, y'all have to understand something. I got a lot of experience. When it's this cold out here, you don't let your horse out the gate too early. You got to keep it. And that put a stop to all y'all. That's oh, it. yeah. All y'all. That yeah. was some good times, man. That's something uh-huh. I'll never forget. And uh-huh. uh, you talk about Tony. Tony was a special breed. And that, that locker room or, or y'all's tight end room over those times, you had Tony, you had Justin Peel, who's coaching uh, in Atlanta now. You had Michael Palmer. 
who else was in that room that I'm, that I'm leaving out, Selfo? We had Jason Raider. Jason uh, Raider. Yeah. Jason. Yeah. We had. Uh, and that was another, that was a re- really good group, man. The young fella from uh, uh, Zinger, Keith Zinger. He played. Keith LSU. Zinger from LSU, sure did. Yeah. He was there a couple of years. Uh, he was a seventh rounder and uh, our last pick, and he he lasted two or three years. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was a hard nose, hard yeah. nose kid, man. Uh, so, but we we, we did, uh, Ty. We had a really good room. But I tell you, you guys uh, in the offensive line room. Y'all were right next door to us, and I used to always go in there, of course, and and because uh, I'm old lineman by in my heart, and uh, <laughs> you know y'all, you find list was the best in in the world. Oh man, cell phone. That's it, what I miss the most is uh, you know people ask me all the time about the game. Do you miss playing or do you miss being out on the field? And what I miss the most is that offensive line room going in there, the fine boards we had, and the times and the stories that we had. That's what I mean. If somebody told me, "Look, we're gonna bring you back, and all you're gonna do is go sit in the offensive line room. You're not gonna play. I'm in. Let me know where to sign." You know, that's the same with me, Todd. And I tell you, it was just so much. Uh, we just had a special team. I mean, we did. our team really close, and and uh, we didn't have any egos. And you know, we had some great players: Matt Ryan, Roddy White, Julio Jones. I mean, we had some. Mike Turner, remember him? I mean, oh yeah, the list we, goes on, man. It goes. We on. had a, we had a good locker room, Selfo, during that group. I know you remember we had uh, Mike Peterson was a guy linebacker that that played at Florida, and they brought him back. I think it was his last year playing because Smitty believed in having the right guys in the locker room, you know. And at the time, Peterson and myself, we were on a downtick in our career, but we had a really good. You, your locker room has to be good. And I think that was one thing that Smitty did really good. He put a bunch of good players in, or, or older players with a lot of experience in each of those rooms, and it paid off for our team. It, it really did. And, 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 you know, when the end of uh, Smitty's regime, you know, he's still the winningest coach in the Falcons' history. Yeah, it's one of my favorites, man. I mean, but at the end of the day, you know, when, when his regime was over, Todd, we, we didn't have that mixture. We had right. to let guys go. Uh, yourself included, which I think you had another year or two in you. I really do. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, I, it might have been mutual. But we had to we had to let some guys go, and and um, and we didn't bring other guys in with the maturity level and the team background, and and that hurt us. You know, the last couple of years. Yeah, and Selfo, uh, if I had to tell you know young GMs or guys trying to learn, I mean even a college program. Um, sometimes, you know, you have to take, you know, and we, I was still playing at a fairly high level there towards the end, but, but sometimes you got to take a little bit less, uh, what you're getting physically and factor in, you know, what a guy does for the guys around him and how he is in the locker room, you know, and you see it all the time. You look at, to me, Belichick, he'll go sign guys towards the end of their career but he knows their leadership ability and what they're going to do to the guys around them. I think that part, uh, the mental aspect of it in the, in the locker room needs to play a bigger factor. Cause like you said, we had some great guys, uh, in that group. And Chris, what I remember is, you know, we were coming around. Joseph was at Oconee, right? That's where he went to high school. Yep. Uh, yep. how old was Joseph when he first started coming around the locker room? Uh, he was 12, 13. 
12, 13, 14, 15, and, you know, you guys is the ones that raised him, basically, because, I mean, he, you know, he's coaching now in New Mexico, Todd, and, and his career, I mean, he's just so far advanced because of the things that, you know, he hung out in the locker room with you guys and listened to you and Sam Baker and Claybo, which Claybo was always ornery. So he loved oh, always. He's still the same. He's still the same, isn't he? <laughs> but, you know, he would sit there and just listen. And Justin yep. Playlock, you know, Ju- Justin would um, hang out Harvey with Harvey Dahl. You know, Harvey Dahl. Um, and, 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 you know, it made my son – it really did make my son who he is today. It really Man, did. And I, and I look back, uh, Selfo, and I can remember Joseph, little redheaded joker. He would come down there and he worked – he helped out with the equipment guys, but anytime we were done with practice, you know, our offensive line, all of our lockers were together and you would look up anytime he was in the facility and Joseph's little stubby butt was sitting in a locker and he was just, I mean, he fit in, you know, you're talking about professional athletes and this guy, he's just sitting right there soaking it in. He's, uh, you know, he, he's jabbing back at us. We're we messing with him. He's messing with us. And, then we, I don't know if you remember, they arranged uh, Big Nephew, Few we called him, and Joseph, we wanted to see him wrestle, you know, and there was some big money put on the wrestling match between Joseph and Few, and, and Joseph slammed Nephew on the, on the turf in the equipment room, and then everybody just took off and was like, oh, man, he's hurt. But <laughs> I can remember Joseph coming in and then, then you bringing in his highlights, like, look, I want y'all to watch this. And my, I'm going to tell y'all this, what Joseph Selfo was doing on the high school field, there were some mamas from the mother teams in, in the Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia that were mad at Joseph Selfo because our group, when we were there, we were called the Nasty Boys. And you had Harvey Dahl, you had Claybo, uh, Blaylock, myself, Sam Baker. Those guys finished uh, better than anybody I had ever seen. You know, if you were standing around a pile, somebody was going to clean your clock. Harvey Dahl was going to drive you into the ground and put an elbow in your throat. And I think Joseph, he would watch those films and he learned that mentality. And then watching him on Friday nights, the way he played the game, he was going to put you on your back or he was going he was, he was to try 100%. And I love watching Joseph play high school football. He, he, he was going to finish. And you know, Todd, he – he uh, took a chance and left after four years at South Alabama and grad transferred to North Carolina State and yeah. went in there at six foot, you know, 300 pounds and won the starting job over a guy that was the first round pick of the Vikings, Garrett Bradbury. And, right. really, you know, Joseph went in there with no no expectations and, and uh, started all 13 games and was named a captain, uh, you know, being that's there. crazy. But uh, a lot of it has uh, a tribute to y'all. And, and uh, you know, it was – but back to, back to like, the meeting rooms. You know, I, I remember to this day if an offensive lineman bumped the gold jacket, then he was fined $100. It was that simple. <laughs> I mean, you, you're talking about it, Tony, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. if you Tony on the field, in the uh, hallway uh, – you know, so to let y'all know, so we had a fine. It, it, it was called the gold jacket fine. If you touch Tony Gonzalez, I mean, the dude we knew while we were playing with him, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. And uh, But if you hit him on the field or if you ran into him, it was a $100 fine. You couldn't touch Tony. 
And so for one of the things that blows me away, and I talked to, uh, I got to see Coach Malarkey, Mike Malarkey, when I went into the Ring of Honor. He was there at the practice, and I'd never heard this story. He said, you know, we get Tony signed. Tony comes into the locker room, and he goes to meet with Mike Malarkey, who was the offensive coordinator, and he walks in, and he says, uh, I don't block power. He says, what do you mean you don't block power? He goes, I don't block power. I will not block power. And uh, Malarkey's sitting there thinking, like, all right, this dude, he doesn't want to block power. So we go to the first install. I think it was our first week. And he puts in, and Tony's at the point on power. And uh, Malarkey's going through, and he's like, Tony, uh, this is you right here. And he looks up at, at Malarkey. Like, he, Tony, you know Tony. He didn't want to block too much. What Tony was really good at was getting open and catching balls. But I couldn't believe it. The guy at that point, he told him, look, I'm not blocking power. There are a lot of stories that I could tell about that relationship between those two guys. And uh, right. uh, <laughs> and, and it, it's not good. And I was stuck in the middle, you know. And oh, what yeah. I would do, I'd come down from the offensive staff meeting and say, okay, we're putting this, 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 and this in. And Tony goes, well, I'm not going to be in on these plays. And uh, I said, well – Finally, I got to the point, Todd, that I drew a, a picture on the board of where our meeting room was, around the corner, up the stairs. To Go talk to it. And all I would do was just point to that. I said, get on up and get on out. <laughs> That's right. Hey, when Tony, and I mean, you, you look back at it and you could look at his highlights. Uh, Tony was not a great blocker. He'd tell you that. He didn't love blocking. What Tony was really good at was getting open and using his body wherever the ball was. He was going to use his body like a basketball player that he was, and his hands were so good that if you just got the ball in the area, Tony Gonzalez was coming down with it. I can't remember him dropping many balls in our time together when we were there in Atlanta. I, I don't either. You, you know, Todd, you go back, though, when I did, I went back and looked at his tape early on in his career. He was the best blocking tight end in the league. Right. And, and at one time, you know, but when we got him, he specifically told the general manager, the head coach, Alvin, uh, I'm not here to block. Well, he uh, wasn't there to block, he, you know. You know <laughs> and, uh, he was there to do what he did, you know. You know, the, the, I don't know if you remember this. We're playing Tampa. It was my second year. Tony's first year we were together. Uh, we played Tampa the last game of the year, and, and uh, we're eight. Uh, uh, uh if we win the game, we have a winning record. If we don't, we're eight and seven. Okay. We win the game, we're going to be nine and seven with a winning record. Back to back winning seasons are, you know, eight and eight. Well, Tony needs like six catches to get a thousand yards. I don't know if uh -huh. you remember this. So he needed, he needed like six catches going into the game for a thousand catches. Well, so he has five in the Tampa game. And headset saying, <laughs> we got to get him a ball. We got to get him a ball. So we draw up a shovel pass. Well, uh -huh. catches it, it don't matter. It's, you know, we're winning the game. We're going to win the game. Well, he, he calls some sort of neck and his ball gets batted down and Tony don't get his thousand. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so, so, I always shower, Todd. I got out of there real fast, you know. So I'm walking to the bus at Buck Stadium, 
And here comes one of the managers, grabs me, goes, Coach Shuffle, you got to come back in. You got to come back in. Tony's going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. (laughs) I run back into the locker room. And I guess Tony Tony was about to fight Malarkey, you know. <laughs> Malarkey went by and tapped him on the shoulder and said, good game. And he, they say, Tony, I wasn't <laughs> Tony still out there. Oh, <laughs> I remember. I remember. I forgot about that. Yeah. Y'all, you guys, Ben Hartsock and Phil, you know, they held Tony off. And uh, by the time I got in there, you know, he, was, he had calmed down a little bit. And, uh, he had a lot of choice words. You know, oh, but, I bet. I can remember, you know, we had a group and it was the back of bus three, uh, every away game. And it was a privilege to get to go sit on the back of bus three. Not everybody, if a rookie tried to come to the back of bus three, they would get kicked off. No, you got to go to another bus. But the whole back, it was towards the end of my career, it was Tony, it was Matt Ryan, it was Michael Turner, uh, Claybo, Baker, you know, all the offensive line. And you had a seat back there. But there may or may not have been some Bud Lights and, you know, Tony liked to drink the Stellas that, that made it to the back of that bus. And it was it was our time to unwind a little bit. You know, you put in a hard week's uh, work and I, I don't think alcohol is allowed or if it's still allowed, but some kind of way it found its way back there under the seats. But it was our time to drink a beer or two and just to let a little stress out. And, and the beer tasted better after a big win, you know, and there was nothing like it. And I, I'd give anything to be able to go on the back of bus three one more time because it, it, it was some good times, man. You know, Todd, what else it did too was it brought y'all closer together. And, Absolutely. And, you know, we, we won a lot of games. I mean, yeah. those first five or six years we were, five years we were in Atlanta, and I think you were there four of the one, five that I was there. And we won a bunch of games, and, and that beer always tasted good in the back of that bus. No, you're right. Wasn't many times it didn't. Uh, <laughs> I hear that. We hey, had- we got self. We got to go back to what I kind of started this whole thing with yourself being the you know the self-proclaimed best center to come out, ever come out of state of Louisiana. I, now I you, you, you off there. I have to cut you off. Not self-proclaimed. Okay. It, 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 it's history. I mean, it, it's written. I mean, it, everybody knows it, Todd. You, you, I know jealousy is a problem that you have. Give me the list. You, you Give know, me the list. Huh? Give well, me the list. It's me, uh, uh, Kevin. He's you, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You. Uh, I can't think of any others. I mean, well, that's, that's, that's the only three we need, you that, know. That's, uh, it. that's it. I mean, us three, you know, and it's me and I don't know, you'd have to flip a coin between you and Kevin. and, and uh, No, and he's got a gold jacket. Yeah, but that's on a different level. He wasn't as good as us in college, though. You know, that's different. I mean, <laughs> hey, you, know, you speak it for just, yourself now. I just chose not to play in the NFL. You know, that's <laughs> all. I, I wanted to go on and start my career and get married. And, but, you know, Kevin is the head coach at a, a school up in Tennessee now. Uh, is he really? Yep, a little private school up there. Uh, uh, doing well. He's doing well. Well, that's but, good. Yeah, and I let him know because I was at the, uh, you know, that was the year Tony got in, right? Right. He and Tony went in together, and I was up there, and um, Tony invited the fam, and we were up there, and I ran into Kevin, and Joe talked to him, and and uh, yeah, I let him know, you know, I'm glad you had a good pro career because your college career wasn't near as good as mine. <laughs> I let him know. You know, he had his jacket on, but it, I wasn't jealous because I chose not to. 
You can go buy your own gold jacket, huh? Yeah, I want to put a patch on that, you know. I, I mean, but yeah, we uh, you know, you know, when I when I was at Tulane as the head coach, we played LSU twice, and uh, every time I went to that stadium, I thought about you. But when you were playing at LSU, okay, y'all had some good years, right? And what was your last year there? Uh, ninety nine was my last year. Okay, so in 1997, y'all had a hell of a team. Yeah, we did. That was the year we beat Florida when Florida was number one. Kevin Falk, Booker McFarland. Uh, we had a group. Yeah, we had a really good team. Y'all lost one game, though. And I don't know if you remember the game you lost. I, 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 I have a feeling you're about to tell me. I don't remember. Tell me I, about it. I, am. I was the offensive coordinator at Georgia. I remember that there. one. Me and Booger talked about that the other day. Yep. Yep, and, uh, Champ Bailey, Champ Bailey, and uh, Quincy Carter. Uh, I remember they had a big catch. I think Champ had a big catch on y'all's sideline to kind of seal that deal. And there was an onside kick in that game, uh, and I can't remember. Came down to it, what happened? Tell me about it. Well, it was third, and I think eight. And and I mean, Champ Bailey had played a hundred and something snaps that night. They talk about you know. These other guys, Colorado. Travis, he was Travis Henry before Travis Henry. <laughs> Way before, or Hunter, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, played, yeah, that's what I meant. He played like 110, 112 snaps that night, special teams, offense, and defense. But So we got like third and eight. If we convert, we win the game. We just mm-hmm. run out. So our center was out. So we had to move Jonas Jennings, who played in the league quite oh, yeah, to center. Well, Booger was the nose. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you now, you go back and look at this. This is as, as plain as day. We snapped the ball. I, I, we called timeout. I brought the offense over there. I told Champ, I said, Champ, you're going to run a corner route. Uh-huh. Roll the ball up because they can't jump as high as him. <laughs> so, I remember it. All right. Well, we snapped the ball. And I'm telling you right now, Todd, go back and look at it. Booger got to Quincy faster than the damn ball did damn near. <laughs> right? Caught uh-huh. it through it and got hammered. Uh-huh. I mean, swam, uh, Jonas Jennings as fast as you can swim, bam. <laughs> we made the catch somehow miraculously. I remember it was right there on y'all's sideline, right yep. in front of y'all, right? Yep, yep. right I remember it, man. That was uh yeah, and that was a big loss for us because we were we were feeling good about ourselves and about our program. And if we win that game, I wanna say we had got up to number four, number five in the country. I think y'all were y'all were three, uh nineteen. Might have been. Yeah. We played, I think, the fourth game maybe, third or fourth. But y'all were y'all were way up there. Y'all had Yeah, and after you know, after that loss, that kinda uh I know it set it in a tailspin for Coach Donardo and his staff. It yeah. it was never the same after that. So now I got somebody to blame it on. I can blame it on you, you know, for well, uh, me not winning national championship in, in college. Well, for a lot of faults, I mean, you can blame me for being, you know, the second best center in the state. You can blame me for, I mean, a lot of things, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Oh, man. Selfo, I love you, man. I, you know. I love you, too. For all yeah. you Louisiana people, y'all know you, you probably recognize that cell phone name. Of course, Chris was at from Abbeville, Louisiana, played up in at Northeast, right? 
Did you yep. play at Northeast? Yep. Played at Northeast. His brother Frank uh, is a head coach at Southeastern. Uh, your nephew played quarterback at Tulane. You know, and uh, your son, of course. We talked about Joseph. That, my that other, my go other ahead. Gambino's Bakery. Gambino. Gambino there you go. Yep. There you go. We like King Cakes yeah. too. So, uh, yeah. what I was getting at the cell phone name, good people. You might hear some bad things about Chris, but they, they, they're not all bad, you know. Uh, but but this is him, right? <laughs> cell phone. What 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 are you doing right now? I know after you got got out of the NFL, you had a few different stops around the country a little bit. What you doing with your life right now? Well, I'm uh, I'm sim. I tell I tell people I'm semi retired. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I want to get back into the college game. As much money as they're making nowadays, I just I, I just feel like the game's changed so much from a coaching standpoint. And you know, when right. I was in the NFL, you didn't have to coach as hard as uh, I did before I got there. Um, but you know, I, I just I can't see myself going back and and having a player make more money than me. Right. Uh, so I live that life in the NFL, and and that's fine. But in college, I just I but. I, you know, I was in a couple of these new leagues. I was in the AAF for a year. I was the coordinator out at uh, the Arizona Hot Shots, and then they folded. Then I went to the XFL, and um, I was there till they folded the COVID year. And, uh, right. you know, I'm peeking back in that, and, and uh, you know, I still want to coach. You know, I've talked to people about being an analyst. I, I'm like you, Todd. I, I, I do want to be around it. Right. But I, but I, I don't want to go through uh you know i did it for 35 years i neglected a lot of things with my wife my kids um you know and now my son's coaching and we, we go out to albuquerque a couple times watch them watch every game on television my daughter lives here in fairhope which right is why we moved here she's married and uh her and her husband live here and they're not going anywhere so you know we get to see them and and uh don't have any grandkids yet but you know, it's it's. Um, I, I don't want a three hundred sixty five day of job uh, a year job anymore. You know. No, I could I could remember cell phone coming in. You know, it'd be uh, during the week game plan days where we're coming in six o'clock and uh, you walking out of a closet and look like you just got hit by a truck. But <laughs> there was many a nights where you slept where y'all slept up there at the facility in the coach's office because y'all didn't get done till late and. People don't always see that the the hours and the time that that you guys put in, but I can remember that many nights you you sleeping yep. up there at the facility. I I never went home until Thursday night and uh, Sunday night of home games. You know, at the end of the day, you do what you have to do for your family. You do what you do. You do what you have to do because you love it. And I right. think now, Todd, a lot of coaches are getting into it because of the money, and, right. and uh, you know. Not the Kirby Smarts, not 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 the, that group of guys, you know, uh, just but guys that that are, you know, getting into it now. Just so instead of being a doctor, or a lawyer, or an attorney, they they become a football coach because you make more money. But, well, I'm gonna ask you this, and then see, put you on the spot. If if Chris Selfo uh, was not a football coach, what would what would you have been doing in life? What what would you have done in life? Oh. That, that, I, I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think you would have made a hell of a used car salesman. Well, I, I don't know about. Uh, I don't think used, uh, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a new car or uh, uh, 
Yeah, I would be selling something. <laughs> legal or illegal. Legally illegal. Coming out of New Iberian Swamp, I'd sell something. I hear you. I hear you. Well, we'll just but, leave it at that. You'd be a salesman. We don't know what it would be. Uh, yeah. Probably chicken know, manure. Yeah, when I was, you know, when I was a sophomore in, in college, I lost my mom and dad six months apart. I remember you so, told me that. I didn't have many choices. I had to, you know, look, either I could have went right or I could have went wrong. And, uh, you know, I just chose that. To, to go the graduate assistant route because they were going to give me three meals and a bed when I finished playing. Right. And at the time, that was all that was important to me. And then somehow my career took off. I went from there to Oklahoma, to Marshall, to Georgia, to Tulane, uh, to the Falcon. You know, my career just, it ascended. And, right. uh, you know, if I had the same career at this time, you know, at this age, uh, if I had done it, later in time and had the same career uh i probably wouldn't be talking to you on this podcast i mean you'd have to reach me somewhere in europe probably i hear you uh, I hear or we'd that. be doing it in greece all the money these guys <laughs> i know, hear that man which, which would be dangerous for me todd i don't need all that money <laughs> i hear that man yeah. well, i tell you that uh y'all know cell phone's been on my butt and i've been wanting to get him on here one of my one of my favorite coaches of all times. We had some good times together, and my, my producer here, my wife Heidi, is asking, and this may take you a second. I know putting you on the spot. Your favorite Todd McClure mud duck story? You got something that sticks out, or uh, doesn't have to be a story. Just just give me something, Coach. Well, I mean, I don't have any that really stand out, except the fact that every day you came to go to work. Uh, Matt Ryan owes you a hell of a lot because his first year, uh, honest to God, and I know you'd never say this, but you made him that first year. He couldn't call a protection. He couldn't change the protection. He couldn't find the mic. Um, I mean, you really, and then, you know, when you call those meetings with the guys and, and went over blitz pickup and, you know, went through that and then took it onto the field, Matt, you gave Matt a chance, and you gave Matt a, a chance to get started and get his confidence up. Yeah, and, and you you selling Matt a little bit, little short there. Matt was Matt was pretty sharp, you know. Uh, but for a young quarterback, and you hear guys talk about it all the time, for a young quarterback, you really need an experienced group in front of him. And I think one of the things I was able to do was to help a young quarterback take some stuff off of his plate, you know, help him with protections, help him with some checks. And, you know, like you said, we had a really good group and a good team. I, I was just fortunate to to be a part of Matt's career because I look back and I see, you know, he's one of the best guys to ever play that position. And you can look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. And the thing about Matt is he is a class act, you know, one of my favorite teammates of all times. The most humble and, and uh, classy guy, uh, you know. But, Todd, I, I, you really helped him that first year. Yes, yeah. he was sharp. But but he wasn't near. He came out of Boston College, and everybody thought he was sharp. Yeah, he was sharp. But I tell you what, if it wasn't for you, we, we would have struggled. We made the playoffs that first year's rookie year. You oh, yeah. That you know. Well, that's why they, that's why they pay me uh, league minimum. You know, that's why I got that league minimum, and you know, hey. I was able to bring those quarterbacks. <laughs> just, just know this: every dollar you made, you stole. <laughs> I stole. You're right about that. Hey. 
You just got to fool one person. That was my motto in life, you know, just fool one person. I just couldn't fool Dimitrov enough to, to, to get paid more to come back for another year. Well, uh, I, 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 know, I know this. You and I both, we fooled a lot of people because – That's all uh, you got to do. That's yeah. all you got to do. If you, know? you ain't good, you just got to fool somebody in life. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you can get by. We, You know, we – you lying to people, tell them you're the best center ever to come out of state. Some people yeah. gonna believe that they gonna. I don't, I don't hey, but but look, there, there's no footage. There's no way I could type in Chris Selfo highlight video and see you actually playing on the field. I mean, it's not possible unless we're gonna pull up some, you know, some old cameras where y'all was out there whining it. Uh, nobody well, can nobody can dispute that fact. There's 16 millimeter floating around somewhere, and it may be in the College Hall of Fame, Todd. I don't know. You know, maybe they have. Maybe well, they, I'll maybe, put in a call. We'll yeah, see. Have to look into that. Uh, probably, <laughs> yeah, probably in the College Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, look, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you one more question, and you take some time to think about this. What's your career highlight? Your coaching career highlight from when you got started as a GA to to where you are now? You look back in one moment that pops in your mind. What is that moment or what are those moment, moments that stick out to you? The top of the list, the top of the list, Todd, in 2002 when I was the head coach at Tulane, mm -hmm. we qualified for a bowl game and we went to Hawaii and we were 15-point underdogs to June Jones and Timmy Chang and, um, you know. Yeah, running that, that run and shoot out there, huh? Yeah, and, and we beat them. And, huh. and, and that was probably the highlight of my career. That's uh, awesome. You know, we were the first team to beat them in the Hawaii Bowl uh, because they played in it pretty much every year. And they had, you know, Travis LeBoy. They had a bunch of guys, a couple of old linemen that played in the league. One of them since passed away. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Was Matt Forte, was he on that team? No, that was um, Weldy Moore. JP. Okay. That's uh, a Baton Rouge guy, Weldy Moore. Uh, J.P. Lawson was our quarterback. Okay. Uh, Matt came in after Mowelde. But uh, that was probably the highlight. Then the lowest I've ever been, and I don't know if I've ever gotten over, was when we lost to San Francisco. In oh, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm with you. you know, Cell phone, we were 15 yards from going to the Super Bowl. I mean. Uh, I can remember we had two plays down there, and I don't remember if it was Roddy or Tony, that there was a blatant pass interference that they didn't call. I think it was Roddy. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it was right there. And I, I can remember Selfo seriously sitting right there at the 15-yard line, 20-yard line, wherever we are, and looking down at the goal post and the goal line and, and thinking to myself, if we get there, we're going to the Super Bowl. And that's how close we were, you know. And, yep. uh, you know, you look at a guy like, like Jason Kelsey now, you know, he's a guy who's, who's blown up doing all this, but people ask or wonder why does he keep playing? You know, uh, he's gotten so close. He made it to the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, of course his brother's team won, but I think the reason that guy, he's making unbelievable money. The reason he's still playing, but other than the fact that he loves the game, loves the locker room is he wants the opportunity to be able to hold that trophy up. And it's amazing <laughs> The, the power that that has on your mind to push through things. And you hear him talk about it, you know. When is he going to stop? I heard him last night talking about when his body, and when he says, look, you know, I just can't do it anymore physically. But even watching him talk last night, he got teary-eyed just thinking about 
this coming to an end for him, you know. But I think that's what pushes guys. And we were so close. We were 15 yards to go to the Super Bowl. And my body felt so bad after that year. But I felt like, I, you know, I could go through it for one more to get the opportunity to go play in that game. And, and, and you know, we, we threw a stick. It was fourth and uh, four. We threw a stick, and that was the pass interference to Roddy, which Tony was usually in that position. Right. We put Tony out wide, but Tony was wide open on a slant, but Max Reed was to throw the stick versus that coverage. And, that, and that's what I remember. That's why I said I couldn't remember if it was Roddy or Tony. I can remember everybody talking about Tony being open. Yep. And that's one thing that drives me nuts is fans but, that, uh, you know, holler and scream about he was open. They don't understand the quarterback's read, you know. Read. And, and, you know, the other thing, Todd, the Super Bowl was in New Orleans that year. Was it really? Yes, it was. That well, it was. Been, hey, it might have been a good thing I didn't make it. You imagine the amount of money we'd have spent on tickets well, being yeah, here in New Orleans. I know you. You, you know you. You can't ever sell a ticket in the NFL, but uh, you know I think we were going to get fifteen of them. Uh-huh. I told my wife was going to be a photographer for, because she took pictures, you know, all year on the sideline. Right. So she had a photography pass. Joseph was going to work. He was going to be, you know, helping equipment, which he worked every game. And All right, so there's, th- there's 30 grand. Yeah. Okay. I told my daughter, I said, sweetie, I'll give you $5,000 cash, but you ain't getting a ticket. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Look, you watch it on TV, sweetie. But I, I, yeah. I don't have a ticket for you. it's crazy it's crazy you get the option i think that's what it was 15 and i can remember me and heidi sitting there that week building up you know in the nfc championship game and i was in that situation twice once uh with matt ryan once with michael vick uh but mapping out who are these tickets gonna go to and then mapping it out and realizing do you know how much money we're about to spend on these tickets you know it's basically like you're playing the playoffs for free for your, your family and all to go to the Super Bowl, which is crazy, you know. But, I, you know, I would have done it in a heartbeat to, to get the opportunity. Every dime. In you would have got your daughter a ticket. Uh, no, I wouldn't. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, Matt Bryant, you know, he, he lives down in Orange Beach. Uh-huh. He, he, him and Melissa got a beautiful home down there. But they moved up to Jackson, Mississippi, for his son to play baseball. But. Whenever Matt and I we get together, you know, quite a bit when they when they down here, um, you know, we we always talk about that kick he made. You oh know, yeah, against, and, Seattle. Uh, I remember that. It was and, that and that year, that was when I talk about Selfo. You talk about your your moments you regret. You look back the the San Francisco game. One of my favorite moments was that Seattle game because Russell Wilson drives down. They scored. It looks like man, this game is over with. We have a minute 20 maybe left on the clock. Uh, we put a drive together, and then, then Matt comes out and kick, kicks that game winner. The roller coaster ride and the, 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 the way you felt like, man, we're out of it. No, we just won it. Look, I'm getting chills right now talking about it. That is one of my fondest memories in all of sports. Well, you know, we were way ahead of Sam Fran in the first half, and then we threw that wheel route to Harry Douglas. I seen Harry. I saw Harry on television the other day, talking uh-huh. about all these players and stuff. And all I could think about was him falling down when he was going to had a chance to score. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember it. Wide open, he just fell down. 
And I wish I could call in one of them shows when he's talking about a player and tell him he's talking his damn coach. Harry Douglas, cell phones taking shots, shots fired. Yeah. Hey, that dude was a character. He's one another he one of my favorite teammates. I'm going to have to have Harry on one day. Because uh, yeah. the thing yeah. about Harry, he could get along with anybody in the locker room, and he was going to joke, and he was going to get on poor man's Kevin Hart is what uh, yeah. Harry Douglas is. Uh, yeah. But just a great teammate and great dude. Great. Great teammate. You know, that's relationships. Like you said, I, I'd give anything to be back on that third bus. I, I'd, I'd give anything to be back in the locker room just uh, with the guys. You know, I'm with that, you, man. That's what I enjoy. Well, yeah. man, I, Selfo, I appreciate you taking some time out, and I'm, I'm glad we finally made it work. We got you on here. I can say it's the first guest that, uh, that had Copenhagen in. I wish I could have a little Copenhagen in right now, you know, as we're doing, as we're doing the podcast. Let's go. Uh, my bad. Copenhagen, no. No, I'm the Copenhagen man. You the yeah. Skull man. But man, I appreciate you coming yeah. on. I'm gonna go. I'm calling the the College Football Hall of Fame. We're gonna yeah. try to find some game film yeah. because I I want to debate this being the third best center to come ever come out of state Louisiana. I would like to be number two. You know, and if we can get you off the top of that board, I got a shot. Well, you do. And the, and the number is 1-800-626-4242. That's and, the College uh, Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's the College Football Hall of Fame. And, and so Man, that's probably the IRS or somebody you got me calling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you like this episode, I'll let your boy. I want to hear what you thought about it.